You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and each episode of this podcast will introduce you to a new author in the thriller, mystery, and suspense genres. As a reader, I've been a fan of those uh, type of books for a very long time, and that is why I write in that uh, genre now, and so I'm excited to introduce you to new authors. Discovering uh, new books and authors is uh, such a fun thing to do, and uh, that's what I hope to do with these uh, interviews. So stay tuned for the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author. Hey everybody, this is Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author, and today I'd like to welcome best-selling and award-winning author, Danielle Girard, to the uh, podcast. Uh, hello, Danielle, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Alan, thank you for having me. It's fun to be oh, here. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, it's really exciting. Uh, for our listeners who uh, aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about your yourself and your books? Absolutely. Um, I um, I published my first book um, 100 years ago, and actually... Not quite, but in 2000, I was um, was 29. I published with Penguin Putnam for five books and then um, did um, a few books on my own. I have four standalone books first, and then I have a five-book series called The Rookie Club. Um, and then most recently, I've got a, the beginning of a new series, which features medical examiner Annabelle Schwartzman. All my books are set in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is uh, where I grew up, still my favorite place on earth. Uh, my novels are gritty, I've been told. People compared my first novel to Silence of the Lambs, but I had to leave in the middle of that movie, so I'm not really sure if that's a fair uh, comparison or not. And did you leave because you didn't like it or because it freaked you out? Oh, I was terrified. It was the scene <laughs> It was the scene where he's in the – not to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but um, he's in the jail and he's cut that guy's face and put it on his own, and I was oh, like yeah. – I'm done. I can't watch anymore. This is it's too, too scary. But um, the first book I ever wrote was about a serial killer, and and people did make that that connection. Um, but I think you know I don't. I I think I'm not nearly that dark. But but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm reading Exhumed right now, and uh, it's been great. I live in San Francisco, so being, I, I, not, not only is it a great thriller, but I love reading books that are set here because then it's like, oh, cool, this is here and there. <laughs> Yeah, some some places that are familiar. I tried to use anybody's real address. I think I might get in trouble if, you know, the the somebody was like, "Wait a minute, that's my house where that happened." So, but um, but I do love that. That's my favorite city. So. And so, why did you start writing thrillers? Is that something you were a fan of before you started writing them? <laughs> well, you know, I I guess as a kid I read Nancy Drew and then Agatha Christie, and but I didn't know I was going to write suspense novels. I actually started out and spent um, some time in finance when when I I'm the first of four, and writing books was not an acceptable career choice. I was allowed to be in business or medicine. So I uh, went to Cornell University and was pre-med with a minor in, in Italian. And then I spent some time in finance. I met a woman in, when I was working in finance, actually, in Cincinnati, Ohio, who was a romance writer. And I was so enthralled with the fact that she'd published books, and I thought she was so cool. And so she sort of encouraged me to just start a book. And this was when we... I was, you know, we were, I was young, newly married. Um, we didn't have very much money, so sitting at a computer uh, was a good way to, you know, spend the time. On page five, somebody died, and when I showed the book to my friend, she said, "Well, you're not writing romance." And I sort of, that was just it. I just, after that, I think I love the adrenaline. I I love the sense of things come down to life and death because I don't think that there's any greater stakes 
And I, you know, actually, I'm a, I'm a real fan of law enforcement. I don't have I don't have law enforcement in my family, uh, and I know it's such a complicated time to be in law enforcement and and to talk about law enforcement. But I think it's an incredibly difficult job. Uh, I think the every day, you know, going out there and not knowing. Uh, what's going to happen and, and who you're going to run into? I, I just have a lot of respect for the people that do that, like I, you know, like I do for soldiers and 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 that kind of thing. And I'm not brave enough to be that person, so I sit in the basement and write about them. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun part. Yeah, no, they, they, it's such a tough job. That's uh, especially the police officers have to be like social workers and psychiatrists, psychologists. <laughs> it's like right. crazy. A little of everything, exactly. Uh, and so uh, where do you get your ideas for your books? Well, you know, um, that's a good question, and they come from different places. Um, the, the idea behind Savage Art, which is my first book, um, is that story is about an um, FBI profiler who was attacked by the serial killer that she was profiling, and she left the D.C. area and comes to San Francisco to, to, to get better, really, to be sort of nursed back into health. And... Um, one of the thing that happened to her when she was attacked by the serial killer who sort of considered himself Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci was he dissected her hands. So she didn't have the use of her hands. And, of course, that means she couldn't be a police officer, right? I mean, she can't hold a gun or a pen or zip up her pants or anything. Um, but I had read about this uh, at the back of the New York Times magazine. They they always profile sort of a person. And I had read one of those at the back um of one of those one of those magazines about a, a police officer who had been injured in a car accident, and it had left him without the ability to use his right hand, which was, his, of course, his shooting hand. And there was something about that that really sort of spoke to me about what do you do when that is not just, of course, your your vocation, but it's it's your love and your passion, and it's taken away from you. So. For me, that was sort of the you know the question that started the the story that became Savage Yard, and, and I like to think that's the way the books start is there's just a little seed of who the character might be and what situation might be the the sort of most complicated and challenging for the protagonist. And every book features, even the series actually, each book features a different lead protagonist, a different lead woman in law enforcement. Um, every book, I mean... Annabelle Schwartzman in the new book is a medical examiner, but before that, every 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 protagonist is actually in law enforcement, and so it's really interesting to me to sort of take the psychology of the person, mate them with the psychology of a you know a situation, a crime, where you can get kind of the biggest thrill and 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 the most uh, intensity and drama, if that makes sense. Yeah, you mentioned that you have got to a, a, a pre-med. Is did you find any of that find its way into uh, your into Zoom this new series with that, uh, Dr. Annabelle Schwartzman? Well, I mean, I, you know, when you're pre-med, you learn more about chemistry than you do about medicine. Um, okay. You know, so no, but it, but maybe having an affinity for those for the sciences has helped me. Certainly, there's a ton of research that goes into writing about a medical examiner and. I'm going to make mistakes. Hopefully they get caught before we go to publication. But I, I definitely talk to – I have a bunch of um, medical research people that I can access. I don't yet have a medical examiner, and that's probably what I what I need to find is somebody who can really answer some, some very 
I like to have these really out there questions about what, how would this person die if these things happened? And regular doctors are sometimes look at me like I'm a little strange. I think a medical examiner would probably be able to play along, but, but in the meantime, um, I do think I have an interest in medicine. My father was a physician and my uncle's a physician and there's some physicians in our family. So I love the medical aspect. I think it's, it's something new and it adds a different, sort of a different perspective to to the whole question of law enforcement and catching the bad guy. And do you ever base uh, any of your characters like on real people or or, or on yourself? Did your uh, personality end up uh, finding their way into your books? Well, I think probably, you know, it does. Like I said, I'm I'm the opposite of most of my characters in terms of being able to be uh, brave enough to to confront the, the, these types of situations. But I think uh, I I try to write about women who are, like myself, sort of both strong and also vulnerable and not as strong in some areas of our lives. Because I think that's not true of just women. I think that's true of all of us. We are, I think everybody is a series of contradictions that makes us human. So I've never actually looked at a character, either a person in, in my life and said, oh, I'm going to base a character on that. But for sure there are, they're all sort of composites. You know, you see somebody on the street who does something strange and you think, I'm going to use that in the book. Or, you know, you have a somebody in the neighborhood who's a little nosy and you think, oh, I'm going to use that person in the book. You know, there's those kinds of things for sure. They sneak in. And do you find that, is there a difference between um, writing like, a, you have several standalones and the series? Is, do you find a difference between writing a book that you know is going to be part of a series versus a standalone? Yeah, you know, I think it, in the beginning I couldn't imagine writing a series. I, I felt like it took so much to create a character and, and get her through whatever was happening to her. And then at the end I sort of was like, okay, now I want to, I want to get divorced and find somebody new to spend a year with. So I love those characters. I actually brought the the main character of the fourth standalone, Cold Silence, is actually the protagonist of Interference, which is the Rookie Club book number four. She's not the main protagonist in in Cold Silence, so she gets her big book in Interference, if that makes any sense. But I think it took me, I took some maturity as an author to sort of realize when you do a series, you have to think not just about a story arc and what will this character accomplish and how will she change and grow in this book. You have to think about how will this character change and grow over a lot of books. And if you're starting like I am with Exhum, you know, I don't know if this is a five-book series. I mean, I think, you know, Patricia Cornwell's on book 23 of the Kay Scarpetta books. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I am, I think Sue Grafton's gone all the way through the alphabet and I'm not sure if she started again. So I'm not, it's hard to know, you know, how big that arc will be. So you have to be able to think bigger, broader, longer term. And I, you know, I'm not sure I could have done that when I wrote those first four books. Yeah, because the books, even though they're part of the series, though, each one is like their own little, it's sort of like a standalone, right? I mean, they're exactly. And, yeah. yeah so. You have to satisfy the reader at the end of the book or try, you know, that's always, of course, a, a trick. You can never satisfy everyone. But you try to satisfy this, the story that's within that book, with, but also leave open some things that will pull us, pull the reader into the next book. And so that is, that's a total, that's a different, it's a different beast. 
Well, it sounds like you're, uh, you're you're satisfying a lot of people because Zoom is doing incredibly well. So, where's the pre-order? It's already top five on all of the uh, Amazon stores. It's yeah, it's been yeah, it's been really fun. Thank you. That is that's really exciting. It's my tenth book, so you know you think it's been a long time coming. I hope people love it. I hope. Reading Exum helps them discover some of my earlier stuff too. So I'm I'm super excited. I have I have an incredible publishing team behind me who re- really believed in the book, and it's really what it takes nowadays. Is a, you know not just a great book, but um, the, an incredible support system because it's you know as you know it's hugely competitive, and there's a lot of really really great books out there. Yeah, it's a very exciting time to, time right now, and you you've got you used to go into both worlds, right? You, you've published on your own independently, and you've 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 gone to big publishing houses as well, right? Yeah. So I yeah I, exactly. I published those first four books, the first four standalones, and then the first Rookie Club book, which actually originally was titled The Rookie Club and is now called Dead Center. And at the time, Penguin Putnam wasn't interested in the rookie club that way they were looking maybe for something with a little bit more romance and I'm afraid I'm really not a romance author in any way I don't I don't unfor- <laughs> everybody says see those sex cells and I'm like I know I've heard that but I really <laughs> it's not my thing so so I took the rookie club series back um I actually went back and got my MFA um I did that which was an incredible experience kind of weird as a genre writer to get an MFA um, but it was such a great experience to learn how to write. I mean, as I said, I, I wasn't, I was not an un, a writer undergraduate. Um, I didn't have any, I had one creative writing class, which I loved, but that was sort of all I could fit in with the curriculum I was doing to try to be, go into medical school and, um, and that. So I, I went back, got my MFA, and then I published, um, those four, the next four rookie club books on my own. And I had a, I had some help with the um, publicity of those because I really, really don't want to be the person who sells my books. Um, I just want to be in the basement writing them. So I had some help with that. But then I started this new series with Annabelle Schwartzman and my husband, who's who always will take credit for the good ideas, and, and sometimes <laughs> they belong to him. <laughs> he said, really, if you ever are thinking about getting back into traditional publishing, wouldn't the first book in the series be the time to send it out? And I thought, oh, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. So I reached out to an agent who I I have loved and, and respected for 20 years and who rejected me very kindly 20 years ago when I started in the business. And um, she, she took me on, and she helped find Exum a home, a lovely home at Thomas & Mercer. And it's it was a, he gets a lot of kudos for that decision. He did a good job. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out then, right? <laughs> it worked out really well, right, exactly. He gets blamed probably if it didn't, but no, he gets credit on that one for sure. So, yeah, it's been so much fun. In fact, I was at VoucherCon this past weekend, which is, a you probably know, the world's largest mystery convention, and I haven't been in 12 years. Uh, it was in New Orleans this year, and it was um, really fun, a really fun time to come back. My book's not out officially yet. You know, it's not out till October 1st, so I didn't have, there's no pressure to be on a panel, no pressure to sign books. I just got to go and see some old friends and, um, you know, have lunches with the edit, my editors and, and my agent, and it was really 
Plus, it was New Orleans. How can you say no? It was so fun. Yeah, exactly. It's such a cool city. <laughs> it's a wonderful city. Yeah. And so, what's uh, what is your writing process? Do you do are you an outliner? Do you plot or? So I, you know, I, I, I'm I'm working right now on Excise, which is um, the second book in the Dr. Schwartzman series. And so I'm thinking a lot about my process. Um, it changes a little bit every book. I, I used to be more of a – I used to write really in order of the book. So I felt like I had to sort of know – I can't write how thing you know, what happens later in the book unless I know what happens right now. And that isn't as true anymore. I use Scrivener. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. software I was hesitant to start on because I felt like I knew words so well and I – I didn't want to have to relearn something. I felt, you know, I feel like I'm too old to relearn new tricks. But it's actually been wonderful because you can really, there's a lot of things you can do in terms of dragging scenes around and and it gives you places to kind of storyboard. And so I I wouldn't say I outline. Um, I would say I have, usually I have a few really big scenes in mind for the book with some sense of sort of who did it and how it will resolve. And then I write towards and around those. So if I get stuck somewhere, then I try to pick up where I think it's going to leave off. And of course, you have to once you get it all as one, you know, massive piece, you have to do a lot of fixing to finesse those transitions. But that's basically what I do. I try to write. My real goal with writing is to write a thousand words a day, every day. Because I think if you take a day off, it's that much harder to get to it the next day. And if I write a thousand words a day and get to about a hundred and ten thousand, and then I cut, I mean, you know, fifteen to twenty percent of that goes away, then I usually end up with you know about the right thing. Yeah, it's like the sweet spot right around there, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. And then sometimes my editor will help by saying, you don't really need this scene. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. happens at the end. But but the consistency for me has really been key. And I know, you know, I read a Stephen King on, you know, his book on called On Writing. And, of course, oh, um, yeah, so one or Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. And a lot of people talk about that consistency and just – really just working on it all the time. And I do think for me, if I write a thousand words a day at least, and sometimes, you know, you get lucky and you have a day where you, it's amazing and you write 1,500 or 1,800 or 2,000. But the story then, when when I'm home with my kids at night and I'm making dinner and doing dishes, there's the the story sort of building in the back of my head so that when I go to bed, I might write down a few notes about what I think is going to happen tomorrow and that just makes it the, so much more fluid. And once you have the fluidity, it's so much easier because nothing's harder than a blank screen. And do you write uh, usually in the same uh, air spot or do you, like, switch it around? Well, I have a beautiful office. Um, and it, it is in the basement, which sounds funny. But it has windows, and um, <laughs> and I look out into the yard, and it's pretty quiet down here unless, you know, somebody's bouncing a basketball in the living room. So I like this place. But yes, I do. I sometimes I have, an, I have a laptop and then a monitor, and so a lot of times I just the office is filled with other things that have to get done, you know, bills to pay and doctor's appointments to, you know, arrange and that kind of thing. So I just unplug the laptop and I'll go um, to somewhere else in the house. I sometimes write like in a coffee shop. I know a lot of people do that. I get really distracted. It works if I'm really deep into a book, but. If I'm starting a book like I am right now, um, I really need to be where it's quiet and 
I get distracted only by things like laundry and dishes. Do you listen to music, or is it, like, really nice and quiet? No, it's really nice and quiet. Unless I'm somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed, actually. I mean, I can listen to sort of, like, monk music, you know, like the kind Mm -hmm. of stuff that you get in a massage to or something, but... Um, I can't listen to music with words. I, that would really, I feel like that would mess me up. But I know obviously tons and tons of people do it, and some can't do it without. So everybody's a little different, I guess. Yeah, I guess whatever whatever works. Yes, I that's, I would get distracted sometimes too if I was trying to listen to music. Like, oh, that's such a great song. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, let's Google what that guy's doing right. now. Right. Yeah, exactly. When was his last album out? What does he look like now? Wow, he looks old. You know, I mean, it's just... Two hours later. Yeah, down the rabbit hole, exactly. What are some of your influences um, as a writer? Do you have any um, authors that you like, could point to and say, oh, that's really yeah. he or she? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I, I have a, actually, I, most of my reading is lit, is more literary. I find, you know, it's not been always true. Certainly when I started out, I wrote, read a ton of mystery and suspense just to understand the genre and the idea of red herrings and how stories, you know, developed and, and where the reveals were. Uh, now, because I just have read so many and also because I feel like I just, it's a distraction to read somebody else's mystery when I'm trying to pop my own. I sometimes feel like, oh, my God, wait, was that my idea? Did I get that from somebody else? And so I don't read as much as I as I did. But, it, you know, I still love, I mean, you know, my favorite authors in the in the genre wor- world are John Connolly. If you're not familiar with him, he's an Irish author whose Charlie Parker series is set in Maine. Um, and he's, I think, brilliant and also an incredibly kind person. Um, I, I guess I'm somewhat also um, influenced by people, <laughs> so that that doesn't always make it easy. But in terms of other people, Lisa Gardner is wonderful. She writes a great story. Harlan Coben, um, Lee Child writes a you know really quick, fast uh, twister that are those are fun to read. Karen Slaughter, Michael Connelly, of course. I mean you know all the big guys. Um, Air Burke is great. Um, James Lee Burke is great. So, and in terms of, you know, literary, my favorite books of all time is actually Philip Roth's American Pastoral, because he has this whole set, little section where he talks about how people just don't know themselves. You know, we don't know each, we don't, we can't understand each other because we don't really even know ourselves, and there's something really interesting about identity in that, in that, and in that book in general, and also in that passage, that I think is part of the reason I write is. You know, these characters are going through something to figure out who they are, and maybe by them going through it, I can figure out who I am. But, um, you know, that's that has had a big influence on me, too. And that's always, I think, at the center of my books. And do you find when you're writing, um, do you, like, especially if you have a couple of series going on right now, do you, like, jump back and forth between the Rookie Club and, and Dr. Schwartzman, or do you just focus on one? Well, um, I'm, I'm usually focused on one at a time. At least, you know, for these first, in the beginning of a book is really hard. I can sometimes do revision on another book while I'm working on a book. Um, but writing two books side by side, I, I have tried that not hugely successfully. I do have another book um, that would be a standalone that I'm sort of working on in the shadows of this second book. It was an idea that came to me, and it kind of won't let me go. So, we'll, Excise is at the forefront of my mind, and certainly it's getting my, you know, my thousand words a day are on that. 
Um, but I'm working on this other sort of untitled thing at the same time, but not every day. So it's I just don't feel like I can do probably justice to either of them if I don't if I worked on both. But I it's there and it's hard because I'm going to finish Excise. It's due in January, um, and then you know we'll have to figure out you know what book is next. So. I'm hoping to kind of inch this other book along so that if I have a month or two early next year, I can I can really know where I'm going at least with it and and potentially finish it. We'll see. It's a little different than anything I've done. So um, uh, is it still in the thriller? Is it is. Yes, absolutely, still a thriller. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, wouldn't even know what a plot was without a dead body, Alan. I'd be I'd be lost. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think though that it's it is in the genre, but it's a little different and it's been fun. It's it's fun to try something different. And who knows? Next year we might talk in a year, and I'll be like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. That book is <laughs> it's been wiped from existence. Never happened. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. never happened. So, how many books do you uh, do you publish a year? Do you have a goal or? Uh, I you know I love to get to the point where I can publish two a year. I right now I'd say it's more like every nine months, and it's been a little it's a little slowed down now because um you know when the process of getting a Zoom out, if I had gotten it out on my own it would have been out last year and instead you know it's out this year, but they're looking at publishing Excise in the summer of next year so that would be kind of more or less nine or ten months. I still have kids in the house. They're in high school, so it's getting easier. I do imagine, you know, when they go to college, there'll be longer days. So right now my day really kind of hard stops at 3, which means, you know, between the time they go to school at 8.30 and 3, there's just not enough time to really work on 2. But but I think, you know, I'd like to – ideally this other book that I might finish may put me in a position where I would have, you know, sort of something else to – you know, to do so that I'm doing two a year or getting closer to doing two a year. Um, I, that's my, that would be my, that would be really wonderful, two a year. But that might be, might be a stretch for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> and how do you, what's the, your research process like? Because your books are very uh, detailed. There's a lot of, uh, like I said, I've been reading Zoom and uh, you seem to really uh, do a lot of research in, for your work. Yeah, thank, thank you. I, I do. I know there's people come in on all sides of research. I know Lisa Gardner is like a, she could really research for like three years to write a book. And Harlan Coben says he doesn't research, research anything. He just puts asterisks in where he, you know, until the very end and then he fills in the, whatever he needs. I'm definitely somewhere in the middle, particularly about things that are technical, like how somebody died or, you know, how a body would present or, but in general, I mean, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to, if I'm going to talk with any authority about, Part of the book is set in Charlotte, North Carolina, Exhumed. That's the first time I've set, you know, a big part of a book in a, somewhere other than the Bay Area. And um, so I spent some time there, and I have some wonderful resources down there where I can call and say, can you take a picture of, you know, what's, be- mm-hmm. what's between that street and that street? And, um, you know, a lot of it you can get on Google Earth. You can do, you know, you can do some things with that. Um, but I... I beg, steal, and borrow from friends and colleagues and um, people who are in other places. I mean, it's—I know for my book, Dead Center, there was a one, there was something that came up with the soil that you find in San Francisco, and so I was fortunate enough to stumble upon a soil expert at UC Davis, and I called and left a message and said, "This is going to sound crazy, cause, but I'm this, you know, author, and I have a question about." 
you know, how, how you would differentiate soil in this area versus this area. And, you know, he, he called me back and it was so helpful. We emailed back and forth and he gave me exactly what I needed. And I, you know, and it's fun for, I think a lot of people think it's fun. If they don't think it's fun, they usually don't call you back, which is absolutely their prerogative. But if they do think it's fun, um, you know, people like to apply their, their science or their art to something a little different. So they're usually pretty willing to help, which is, Really wonderful because you know you can't be a soil expert and a guns expert and a you know medical expert and you know you just it's just not practical. Yeah, that's good. That's just reaching out and picking up the phone and calling somebody is amazing. Sometimes how that works out pretty pretty uh, in a great yeah, way. <laughs> it does. It, it's I, I'm not always very confident about it. I'm always a little like uh, I'm, uh, you know, but um, but I managed to sort of stumble my way through an introduction, and then um, and people have been really super generous with me, um, and I am hugely grateful. And I thank thanks in the acknowledgments, and then make sure I know I carefully say every mistake in the book is on me, not on them. <laughs> they gave me the right thing, and then somehow I messed it up. And uh, your uh, your book covers are really amazing. Uh, um, that's the first time I kind of saw you when I was perusing around. I was on a house covers. Uh, just wanted to mention that, but I love looking at book covers. So <laughs> thank you. Well, you know, I um, I have had now a few book covers on the um, some of those books because they were you know when you they were originally published by Penguin Putnam, and when I got the rights to them back, um, you know you, you don't own the right to the cover. So there's um, I had great help from a, a company called Streetlight Graphics, and Glendon there is really he's really brilliant with the look, and he did the standalones, so they look all sort of similar, and then he did the five rookie club books, so they look all similar, and then of course Thomas and Mercer did Exume, and um, that one's really phenomenal. I mean, um, I think it looks like a big book, so. Yeah, yeah, it's still keeping with your branding, though. So it has the same uh, the, uh, across your audio books. So it's kind of nice that Thomas and Mercer kind of kept the same branding going. Yeah, we got kind of lucky. Yeah, to, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be a big change for you on that one. <laughs> yes, yeah. But it actually, I mean, they, you know, and I had this experience at Penguin Putnam, too. They really, they want you to love your covers. So they were really, you know, they send a few, they send you a few examples, and then you say, oh, "I like this one more than this one," and what, you know, what can we do? It feels a little quiet, or you know, those kinds of things. Um, so, and it's, nice. one word covers, one word titles are really fun too, because I think they're, I mean, except for interference, that is potentially the longest word that should be ever on a cover, and. Um, yeah. So if you think about one word titles, go short is my um advice. Um not long. But um but aside from that I think it's fun. You can do a, you can make things a lot bolder when there's not as much you know, when there's not as many words on the cover. And what keeps you going, uh writing these stories and putting out these uh, these words? I'm sorry, say the say the oh, question. Well, again? Like, like like what what keeps you going? Well, like what's the motivation to keep writing and putting these books out? You know, there's a voice in your head, I guess. Um, I did take a break. I took a year off from, from writing. Um, my kids were kind of small, and I felt like I, I needed to, to, vote, to devote that thing 
at that time to them. But you know, I I mean, I think it's kind of a disease writing. Um <laughs> it's a it's its own form of addiction. You know, I'm addicted to chocolate, um, which I've tried also to give up, but I never gone a year without that. Um and I'm definitely addicted to writing. I um it just it makes me a happier person. I think my family will say, if you're not killing somebody in the basement, you're really grumpy. So, um, and I think that's true. It's my, you know, it's something, it's it's part of my identity now. And I mean, I, you know, when I couldn't do it with Penguin Platinum, I found another way to do it. And, and now I'm doing it in even a different way. I, it's something I want to do until, you know, I... I saw R.L. Stein this weekend at BoucherCon, and he's what? I mean, he's got to be 80, 80, late 70s. I mean, so I want to be I want to be like that. I want to be doing it a long, long time. Yep, keep going until the end. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I fall asleep in the middle of a grisly murder scene. Yeah. And don't wake up. So, <laughs> so now we do have um, some uh, aspiring writers that listen to this uh, show, so I was uh, before I let you go, I was wondering if there's any uh, advice that you can give to uh, aspiring writers. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have so been there. Um, well, first off, I should tell you, I have a thousand. No, a thousand, not a thousand. I have a hundred and seventy-five. I was going to say a two hundred and somehow a thousand positive minutes. It feels like a thousand rejection letters, but I have a hundred and seventy-five. Maybe it's up to seventy-nine now. Rejection letters in a um, accordion folder in my drawer here in my office. And I just need to open it and look down, look at them to remind myself that the only way you'll never become a writer or a bestseller or is to quit. You have to write. And you have to write when people tell you that you're terrible and when people tell you that, you know, you should go get a day job or quit, don't quit your day job. Or, and I wrote with a day job for most of my career. Um, I quit my day job about two years ago. So my first book was out in 2000. So 14 years I wrote, you know, and worked and had kids. So I know it's a really hard thing to do. I didn't write a thousand words a day for sure, but I wrote every day a little, even if it was scrawled, you know, in the lunchroom at work. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of really good books on writing. I think I prefer the books on writing than I do the conferences. I think Conferences are a good way to meet other writers and to to pitch with agents and to try that. But I, I think you get more bang from your buck by, you know, spending time with books on writing and and actually books on screenwriting, um, have always been a really, I think, a really good way for me to kind of learn about story. In fact, there's, I think Robert McKee's book is called Story. I still have these books like right here, um, beside me. I've got one called Creating Unforgettable Characters, Making a Good Script Great, 20 Master Plots. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, you know, writing fiction. Anyway, I have a million books. And then reading, a, you know, a lot of the kind of book you want to write because I just think it helps you um, understand, you know, again, story, character, how those things come together and, and work off one another. So it's not an easy business. It's, you know, I... I I hope uh, maybe I'm at a point where it's going to get easier, but you never know. Um, I'm certainly not going to count on it not being, you know, there'll be another rejection down the line, I'm sure of it. So, you know, that's my, those are my thoughts on that. It's, I really just urge people to not quit. You know, if you, if it's something you really, really want to do, do it. And if you don't, you know, and then on the flip side, it's not, you know, it looks romantic. It's not that romantic. You know, it's, um, it's as grueling as, you know, it's, you could be tiling a you know a bathroom 
um, and feel like you're accomplishing a lot more than I do in a day. So um, if you don't love it, God, find something you do because if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't grab you by the throat and hang on, um, I don't think it's even among the thousand most fulfilling jobs. Um, but if you love it, it's it's worth it. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for <laughs> being on the show and uh, and your book in Zoom. It's, uh, I'll have links on the show notes uh, for people and on your, to your website as well, uh, so they can pick the, pick it up. Um, but that, this is probably uh, by the time I post this, uh, maybe it'll be number one by then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, here's hoping that would be wonderful. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you um, work your magic, Alan. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I hope I know I talk so fast, so I hope um, I didn't babble on too much. But let me know no, if you need no, any, anything okay. more from me. But thank okay. you, I really appreciate it. Great, thank you very much. You take care and good luck with your writing. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. I'd like to ask you to please uh, rate and review this uh, podcast over on iTunes. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps me get the word out about the podcast. I would really appreciate that. And you can visit my website at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so from there. Uh, You can do it on iTunes. You can do it with Stitcher. You can do it on Android. The RSS feed is there, so make it very easy for you to subscribe to this uh, podcast. And you can also join my mailing list uh, from the website. And I've actually been uh, getting some pretty cool offers uh, for our listeners. So if you want to uh, get a great deal on a thrilling read, you can uh, join the mailing list over at thrillingreads.com forward slash podcast. And uh, you'll get a, I'll let you know about these uh, great offers that I've been receiving uh, that I can pass on to you. And uh, please visit my website, my author website over at alanpeterson.com. And you can download my uh, best-selling thriller, The Asset, for free from there. Thank you very much, and until next time.